Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we can know you through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we can have uh, eternal life through him uh, in a perfect relationship with you that stretches on forever. Father, we pray that you would be uh, revealing him more clearly to us this evening, as, uh, this morning, as we uh, look at this part of your word. Pray that you'd help me to preach faithfully and clearly and uh, in the power of your spirit. We pray that that same spirit would be at work in our hearts, uh, convicting us of our sin and uh, pointing us to the light. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, relationships are one of the things that we prize more, most uh, in life. Uh, it's very rare that uh, uh, as uh, someone comes to the end of their life, they, they, they will want anything except to have spent more time uh, with their loved ones. Uh, and yet we're living increasingly in the age of, of, of superficial and uh, shallow uh, friendships. Uh, we might have uh, uh, hundreds, even thousands. Some of you might have even three or four thousand Facebook friends. Uh, maybe we type hundreds of uh, WhatsApp messages uh, every day. Uh, but I wonder how many of us, uh, how many uh, real deep friendships we actually have. Uh, I read in a recent uh, study that the average person has 150 Facebook friends, so you can uh, check how you are going. Uh, but most of them are only acquaintances. Uh, most people have only four real friends uh, that they can, they can count on uh, in a crisis. Uh, and yet, as, as human beings, we, uh, we, we crave, we're hardwired to crave these deep personal relationships. We want to be accepted. We, we want to belong. We want to have a, a place and, and a purpose in the world, whether it's that, that friend that just knows how we tick, uh, or that, that person who shares that, that common interest uh, with us, or the colleague that that's always seems to be there for us when we need them, uh, or the family member who, who, who knows us with all of our faults and flaws and still loves us, or, or that special uh, someone, a spouse, uh, uh, who we can share life with. Our deep uh, desire is for uh, these close, intimate, secure uh, relationships. And that's no, uh, no accident, because uh, we have been created in the image of God. Uh, we've been created in the image of God to have a, a deep personal relationship with our Creator uh, and with one another. Uh, we are made for a, a common bond uh, with Him uh, as, and with one another as we worship Him uh, together. We were made for fellowship with God and each other. And yet I wonder as you uh, consider your own relationship with uh, God this morning, uh, I wonder do you know God in a deep uh, personal ways. I mean, is God more like the Facebook friend to you? Or is he more like that, that deep uh, uh, personal friend who will be there uh, in the crisis? Are you, are you sure this morning of God's acceptance and love? Uh, are you sure that you are his precious child and he will grant you eternal life? Or does God feel to you someone who is detached, uh, distant, Full of, you're full of doubts and insecurities. Uh, maybe you're not even a Christian at all this morning. Well, perhaps those uh, doubts, uh, if you have them, stem from looking around at the world around us where uh, lots of people don't follow the God of the Bible. They worship other gods. They, they, they reject the teachings uh, of the Bible. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons we might have doubts. 
Uh, we were made for deep personal relationship with God. And as John uh, writes uh, this uh, letter to us, 1 John, uh, his aim is to convince us that we can be assured in our relationship with God. He does exist. He does love us. His promise of eternal life is true for you personally. He tells us why he wrote it in 1 uh, John chapter 5 and verse 13. John's very helpful. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have uh, eternal life. Uh, if you remember, he wrote, uh, in terms of John's gospel, not John's letter, John's gospel, he wrote that uh, so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and, and, and have uh, eternal life. But the letter is different. He's writing to people who already believe and his goal is that they might know, they might be assured, they might be certain that they have eternal life. Now when John is uh, uh, saying he wants us to know we have eternal life, he, uh, he's not thinking as we often do in merely uh, temporal terms, in terms of uh, going uh, to heaven, uh, being in a place where there's no suffering forever. Uh, that's true. Uh, but to, for John... Uh, knowing God is something uh, uh, deeper than that. John uh, 17, verse uh, 13, this is what Jesus says. This is eternal life. Next slide. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, real, true, eternal life uh, is to have a, a deep, personal relationship with God our Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, a, a relationship that lasts on uh, forever. Uh, now, the reason why uh, John has this aim for his readers is that uh, there have been some false teachers who've, who've turned up uh, in the church. They're, they've left the church. They're threatening to deceive uh, his readers and, and, and rob them of their assurance. Uh, so we read in chapter 2, verse 19, uh, of these people that they, they went out from us. But they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So these, these false teachers, they were previously members of the church, but they've left the church. They're not happy with the teaching. They want something else. Uh, but they don't just leave quietly. Uh, they want to take the rest of the church with them. And so we see chapter 2, verse 26. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying uh, to deceive you. See, there's false teachers have come. Uh, we learn in the letter they deny that Jesus is the Christ. They deny the true humanity of Jesus. They deny the need for true uh, uh, moral purity and, and, and love. Uh, and so these, these false teachers are, are threatening to rob the Christians of their assurance of life eternal with God. And so in this letter, John outlines for them very clearly what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't. And we're meant to hold up the tests, if you like, and hopefully we will pass, and it will encourage us in our assurance, and it will show that the false teachers uh, are not. Well, two uh, simple points this morning. Uh, fellowship with God is based on the incarnation of Jesus, and fellowship with God is, demonst uh, is uh, demonstrated by a commitment to walk in the light. So point one then. Uh, this uh, true uh, gospel brings fellowship with 
God. Uh, John uh, starts this letter in a very odd way, doesn't, isn't it? I mean, usually when you have a letter, you'd say, you know, dear Bob or something like that. Uh, how are you? Uh, but uh, not with uh, that. Most of the letters of the New Testament are like that. They'll say to the church in Philippi, grace and peace, something like that. But uh, John is not like that. He just gets to the point, isn't it? He opens with this, this, this bold headline, this flashy statement, uh, asserting what the false teachers have denied, that the eternal God has entered the world in the person of Jesus. Look how he opens in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. And he only completes the sentence in verse 3, that he's been made manifest uh, to us. Uh, well, the subject of this verse is the one here called uh, the word of life. And uh, it's no doubt it, uh, he's talking about Jesus here. Uh, and he's deliberately picking up the very first words of the Bible. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 1, In the beginning God created uh, the heavens and the earth. See, from the beginning was, was God. Uh, and uh, John speaks of a, a similar way of, of, uh, of uh, this beginning at the beginning of his gospel. He says, John 1 uh, and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, uh, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning uh, with God. And so this, this, this phrase, the, the, the Word of life, this one who was there from the beginning, it's a description of, of the eternal Son of God, God from eternity, uh, in eternal relationship uh, with the Father. And yet he says something most remarkable about him, doesn't he? That which was from the beginning, we have heard, we have seen, we've looked upon, we've touched. He, verse 2, he was made manifest uh, to us. See, uh, that is the extraordinary claim of Christianity. That Jesus Christ of Nazareth was no ordinary man. He was God incarnate, God in the flesh. Just imagine you lived in the first century and you, you, know, you went off to the post office to post your letter and you said hello to the mailman. And then you went off to buy your, your vegetables and you said hello to the auntie at the, uh, at the, at, at the shop. Uh, and then you're walking down the street and there was God. <laughs> and you saw him. You shook his hand. You said hello. Sounds amazing, isn't it? But that is the truth, that, 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 that God himself has come. He, he's, he's made himself known. And, and it would have been impossible for us to know God if he, if he hadn't taken that step to reveal us. See, uh, the Bible tells us then that uh, we don't need to imagine what God is like. We don't need to, to look within and kind of search for a God within. We don't need to look to the creation and worship uh, created things. We don't need to build our own idols. We don't need to worship our, our ancestors. If we want to see God, we look at Jesus. Because he is the one from the beginning, God eternal, who came into the world, the word of life made manifest. Well, it's quite a claim. Uh, that John makes to open. And, uh, but he wants us to know that this claim is based on rock-solid evidence. Uh, he, he speaks how he heard him, he saw him, he looked upon him, uh, he touched him. I mean, it's one thing, isn't it, to say that, uh, that God was walking down the street in Nazareth. It's another thing to prove that you're not crazy. But the remarkable thing is that 
is that John can prove it. Because he was an eyewitness. He was, he was there. He witnessed it all in, per, uh, in person. Uh, maybe we, uh, we call to mind the story of, of, of doubting Thomas. It's in John uh, chapter 20. And uh, after his resurrection from the dead, uh, Jesus appeared uh, to the 12 uh, disciples uh, alive. Uh, but uh, uh, Thomas wasn't there that day. And uh, when the disciples said, look, we've seen the Lord, he's alive. Uh, uh, Thomas uh, says, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and, and place my finger in the nails and place my hand in his side, uh, I will never believe. Uh, and a few days later, uh, he gets more than he was expecting because Jesus turns up in the room. He turns to Thomas and he says to him, look, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Uh, put out your hand. Place it in my sight. Do not believe, disbelieve, but believe. And so he heard, he saw, he looked upon, he touched the risen Jesus. And what conclusion did Thomas make? Well, he declared the only logical thing. My Lord and my God. Remarkable claim. The one who stood before him, resurrected from the dead. God. God himself in the flesh. See, at the heart of the Christian message is the news that God, who existed from eternity, stepped into our world to make himself known in the person of Jesus. Uh, in fact, there is no Christianity without the incarnation of Jesus. You see, if, if Jesus was not fully man, uh, he could never die as our substitute on the cross. Uh, and if Jesus was not uh, fully God, he could not, uh, his death could not be sufficient to, to pay uh, the full price for the sins of the whole world. He had to be both fully God and fully human. Uh, and yet this is exactly what the false teachers uh, John mentions uh, were doing. We uh, read on in the letter, chapter 2 uh, and verse 2. Uh, he says, uh, 22, he says, Who is the liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. And then again, verse, chapter 4, verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. It's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now uh, is in the world uh, already. You see, uh, if, we either, if we deny either the full divinity of Jesus or the full uh, humanity of Jesus, then uh, there is no more Christianity. In fact, uh, uh, John uh, doesn't mince his words. He calls such a person the Antichrist who opposes Jesus. Because if Jesus is not fully God and fully man, he cannot save. If he's not fully God and fully man, God cannot be known. If he's not fully God and fully man, we cannot have eternal life. Now, of course, this is unique among all the religions of the world. Uh, Islam vehemently rejects this truth. Blasphemy, they call it that God could become a man. He was just a prophet, they say, not God incarnate. Or, or the, the secular atheist 
says this, uh, this world is all there is. It, it came out of nowhere. Uh, and so there can't be a God because all we have in front of us is matter. But the Bible says there's hard evidence. He was no mere man. Look at what he taught. Look at the miracles uh, he performed. Look at his resurrection from the dead. Put your hand in the sight. A dead man come alive. He was no mere prophet. He calmed the storm. He, he raised the dead. This was God himself walking on earth. No one like him has lived ever since. Well, I wonder if you're here this morning uh, investigating uh, the Christian faith. Uh, it's a great, uh, 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 it's a, 1 John is a great way to be doing that. Let me encourage you. Uh, uh, if you are not sure who Jesus is, if you haven't investigated the claims of Jesus for yourself uh, as an adult, then let me highly encourage you to do it because uh, it really matters. Eternal life depends on how we respond uh, to Jesus. We, we, we have a Christianity Explore course coming up on the 5th of September. Maybe you want to come along and uh, find out more. Well, it is life and death because uh, we notice how how Jesus is described in these opening verses. He's, he's not called Jesus, is he? Uh, he has these funny titles. Verse 2, he's, uh, it's the word of life. Or verse 3, it's the life made manifest. Or again, verse 3, uh, John proclaims the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He's, he's talking about Jesus, but he refers to him as as the word of life, as, as the eternal life. Why? Well, remember again John's purpose in writing. He wants to assure his readers that if they believe in Jesus, they have eternal life. But, but what he wants us to grasp right at the beginning of this letter is that, uh, that the source of this life is Jesus. He is the life. He is life personified. Uh, eternal life is bound up in a person. It's not bound up in a, in a religion and all these things that I must do, I must not. It's about having a relationship with the Saviour, Jesus Christ. And if we want to receive eternal life, we can only receive it as we know Him. And so again, if you're investigating Christianity, find out who this Jesus is. Because He claims to be your only hope of life. Well, John's aim in proclaiming this uh, message of life, he tells us, is that we might have fellowship with God. So have a look down at verse 3. Uh, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, uh, Jesus Christ. Now, fellowship is a word that Christians like to use uh, a lot. Uh, but let me just clarify, fellowship doesn't mean um, hanging out, right? Uh, it doesn't mean uh, going out uh, for makan, right? Or playing badminton or something like that. Those are fun things to do, right? Uh, but uh, that's what we call uh, friendship, right? Fellowship is something that is deeper. Fellowship uh, is about uh, a sharing together, a common bond, sharing together in a personal relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, fellowship is about having uh, union with God. 
Uh, and so uh, having a union, a deep fellowship bond with one another as together we are bonded to him. Well, uh, fellowship is about a, a common partnership, a common bond with a common uh, mission. And, and, and John says that he proclaims this message about Jesus, the word of life, that we might have fellowship, that we might enter into this close personal union with the creator uh, of the universe and, and, and receive life. Uh, but again, uh, John uh, never quite puts it how we expect, does he? Always keeps us on our toes. And how would you expect verse 3 to read? That's which we, we, we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with God, isn't it? You expect him to say God. But that's not what he says, is it? Have a look again. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. What does He mean? Who's the us here? Well, the us is, is John with the other apostles, the, the, the eyewitnesses, those who saw and heard and touched Jesus. And here is the point. He's saying that fellowship with God is only possible by having fellowship with the apostles. And fellowship with the apostles is only possible by believing the truths about Jesus they proclaimed. I'll say it again. Fellowship with God is only possible through fellowship with the apostles. And fellowship with the apostles is only possible by believing the truths about Jesus uh, they proclaimed. I think that's why John uh, includes verse 2. It's quite repetitive, isn't it? Uh, have a look again, verse 2. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. And, and, and again, you see what happens. The, 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 who was the life manifested to? The apostles. Uh, and though as they witnessed it, they went on to testify, uh, to proclaim. And so the point is, there's, there's no other way to know about, to know the incarnate Jesus. There's no other way to have eternal life, to have a fellowship, a deep, intimate communion with God, except through the eyewitness testimony of apostles like John. The implications of that are profound. Uh, if we want to have the, the joy of a, of a close personal relationship with God, how do we get it? Uh, if we want to have eternal life, how do we get it? Well, what we need is not a, an amazing worship experience to draw us closer to God. Uh, we don't need a, a meditation session with, with candles and incense. Uh, I don't need to have a, a personal uh, encounter with, with nature so I can uh, encounter him in the created world. How do I enter into a deep, personal, rich relationship with the creator of the universe? It's through the words of the apostles that are recorded for us here in our New Testament. I wonder this morning, do you long to be closer to God? Do you wish your doubts and insecurities about God were made more certain? Do you sometimes wonder if Jesus is who he really is? 
You sometimes wonder whether he will accept you and give you eternal life. Where's your assurance going to come from? Where is your fellowship with God going to come from? It's as you read the words of the apostles here in Scripture. There is nothing more precious than this relationship with God. Uh, he goes on in verse 4. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Uh, it's a tricky verse. If you look at the footnote there, we're not sure uh, whether it should read our joy or your joy. Uh, the earliest manuscripts, they have both, uh, and we're not sure. But the main point is clear either way. Fellowship with God brings joy. I mean, what greater joy could there be than to see other people come into a relationship with God? What greater joy could there be than to enter that relationship yourself? Here is what is on offer uh, by, from Jesus. He is the word of life. He offers us a deep personal relationship with him with, with joy. Well, that's uh, point one then. Uh, the true gospel brings fellowship with God. But uh, point two we move on to is that true fellowship with God is evidenced by a changed life. True fellowship with God is evidenced by a, a changed life. See, as important as it is to uh, believe the true gospel, uh, Paul says, uh, so, uh, John says that having fellowship with God is is more, than, is more than merely reading a Bible and, uh, and, and hearing a message and believing some truths. Uh, John has, a, again in mind, these, these false teachers who, who, who claim to know God, but they've deserted the church and they're living uh, in moral darkness. And so he reminds them uh, of what God is actually like in verse 15. We're in fellowship with a God who is light. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness uh, at all. Uh, light and darkness are regularly used in uh, John's writings as a, as a metaphor for God's uh, moral purity. I think we're fairly familiar with this, uh, with this concept. Uh, just uh, think Star Wars, right? Think uh, uh, Luke Skywalker, he's dressed in white. And Darth Vader, dressed in black, right? Because light, uh, uh, light is about good, goodness and righteousness and purity and darkness and black means evil, right? And so God is light. He, he radiates purity. He is totally righteous. In him there's not even a, even a, a drop of darkness. I mean, just in, uh, I don't suggest this, but imagine if you looked at the sun, you would not see any darkness there at all. And, well, you'd go blind, I guess. <laughs> In fact, God is so morally pure that, that all evil, all darkness, attracts his righteous judgment. Uh, and as, as Jesus comes into the flesh, he's described it, you might remember, as the light of the world. Uh, Jesus comes to, to make God known in all of his purity, and righteousness. Uh, Jesus says this in John chapter 12. Uh, the light is among you for a little while longer. 
Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. And so uh, if we claim to be in, in fellowship with the God who is light, if we, if we believe in the light, if we're sons of the light, then of course we must walk in the light. I mean, just imagine that I came uh, today to church in a Southampton jersey. Right? That would be memorable. And I stood here with my Southampton jersey and I proclaimed to you that I am an avid uh, Manchester United supporter. I don't think you would believe it, would you? Uh, why is that? So I'm wearing a Southampton jersey. I mean, if I really believed that, that the Manchester United was the best team in the world, then I'd be wearing a Manchester United jersey uh, here this morning. See, if we are genuine in our belief, then we act in line with what we say. And so John gives us two tests here uh, to test whether we truly are in fellowship with God. Uh, test number one, are you walking in darkness or light. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins. You see, I, I can't claim to be in fellowship with the God who is light while I'm walking uh, in darkness. I mean, I can, I can say all I like. I'm a Christian. I go to church. But the truth is uh, that if it doesn't change my practice in life at all, then my claim is a lie. I, I'm, I'm a fake. I'm a pseudo-Christian. Uh, uh, now, John isn't talking about uh, having to be perfect here. You notice uh, uh, what he says there in, in verse 7 about being cleansed from all of our sins. But he is saying Look, if I walk in, in habitual sin, if I do not turn away from the darkness, if I'm full of greed and immorality and impure thoughts, I'm corrupt at work, uh, I speed down the streets, I double park, I photocopy textbooks, I download illegal movies, I gossip about my uh, church friends, and I go home and I get drunk. If there's no noticeable difference between me and the non-Christian outside, then John wants us to be very clear here. Our claim to be in fellowship with God is a lie. If I'm truly in fellowship with God, I'll walk in the light. Verse 7, if we, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son, uh, cleanses us from all sin. Now, uh, some of us will be feeling a little bit uncomfortable because we all know that we're not perfect. Uh, he's not talking about perfection. He, he expects that we're still going to, to sin. Uh, but if we're, we're walking in the light, then what we're doing is we're, we're allowing God's word to, to shine on our life. Uh, to, to show the areas where we need to change. And, and as we see those areas, we, we turn away from them. We turn to God again and again and, and again. We, 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 ask, we, we ask for his forgiveness. We seek uh, to change and to live uh, his way. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about striving to walk in the light. And you notice the two wonderful promises we have here uh, as we do so. 
we can have fellowship and forgiveness. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship uh, with one another. And uh, once again, he doesn't put it quite as we expect, is it? We think, okay, if I walk in the light, I have fellowship with God. But he doesn't say that. He says, if I walk in the light, I have fellowship with one another. Uh, now, of course, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with the God who is light. That's assumed. But more than that, as we live in fellowship with him, it brings us into fellowship with one another. Uh, because if we are children of God, then it means that those on the left and those on the right and those in front and those behind, they're our brothers and sisters. That we, we share in Christ together. We're in the light together. We, we share in this relationship together. We're in fellowship with one another. And the second promise is, is forgiveness. The, the blood of Jesus cleanses us uh, from all our sins. So yes, even as I, I walk as a Christian, I will sin. But as I walk in the light, it shows that my faith is real. And if my faith is real then it means his death is effective for me and his blood cleanses me from all my sins. I think it's a very important reminder for us this morning, isn't it? It's, it's, it's very easy to take uh, sin uh, too lightly. But we must not be complacent here. It's, it's easy to deceive ourselves with sin, isn't it? No one will notice. Everyone else does it. Doesn't really hurt anyone. After all, no one's perfect. But we must beware, lest our faith is a sham. I wonder if this morning, if uh, you know you've been slipping, you've stopped repenting, you've stopped walking in the light, let me urge you this morning, come back, walk in the light, confess your sins, and receive his forgiveness. Now this uh, brings us to the second test uh, of fellowship with God in verses 8 to 10. Uh, do you deny or confess your sins? Uh, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word uh, is not in us. Again, uh, uh, John gives us the negative and the positive, but this time his negative is double-barreled. He says if we, if we claim that we have no sin in our life, then we need to realize we're lying to ourselves, and we're lying about God. Uh, I'm lying, firstly, I'm lying to myself. If I think, oh, look, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a rapist. I'm, I'm not a sinner. God, I'm actually quite a good person. God will accept me. That's a self-deception, isn't it? Because here I am comparing myself to, to other people and thinking I'm okay. But the truth is, if I knew the God who is light, in whom there is no darkness at all, then his light would illuminate all of the darkness in my life. I'm self-deceived. Secondly, I make God a liar because uh, his word plainly 
uh, testifies that we're all universally sinful. It was in that, uh, that long Old Testament reading from 1 Kings. Uh, very simple. There is no one who does not sin. Uh, Romans 3 puts it uh, in a longer way. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So if we know God, the God who is light, then we know we have a problem. And so we'll turn to him for forgiveness. Instead verse, uh, of denying it, verse 9, we will confess our sins. And he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. It, it seems slightly counterintuitive, actually. You see, uh, if I recognize that there's sin in my life that I need to confess to God, then that's actually a, a very good sign that I'm probably a Christian. See, the genuine Christian knows they have a problem uh, with sin. Uh, the non-Christian doesn't care. The, the genuine Christian knows they have a problem with sin that they can't fix. And they throw themselves on Jesus uh, for forgiveness. Uh, the non-Christian doesn't do that. Uh, Jesus uh, says the same thing in John chapter 3. Uh, once again, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be ex exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, if, if we're in fellowship with God, then what will we do? We'll, we'll come out into the light and as we come out into the light, all of our sins will be exposed before Almighty God. But again, what a wonderful promise. If we will only confess our need, God wonderfully provides the solution. Verse 7, we're told that Jesus' blood cleanses us from all our sins. Verse 9, we're told he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful and just because he doesn't overlook our sins. If God is light, he can't. He has to punish sin. But as Jesus hangs on the cross, the sun is darkened. Because there on the cross, as Jesus hangs there, he takes on himself our sin, our darkness, our judgment. And because God, uh, who is light, cannot tolerate evil on that terrible hour, he focuses all his righteous anger onto Jesus as he hangs there on the cross, as he dies. The, the, the curtain in the temple is, is torn because with this, this perfect sacrifice offered, his his blood washes us clean. The way is open to a relationship with God. We saw in the Old Testament, isn't it, the, Is the Israelites looked to the temple, prayed to God for forgiveness, and now we look to Jesus. And the wonderful news then this morning, that means that no matter who we are, and uh, no matter what darkness that we have lingering uh, in our past, God holds out to us the hope of a restored and assured relationship with him.
no matter who we are, we can have a relationship with God that is deep and secure, where we know we are accepted because our every sin has been washed away. The, the call this morning then is, is, is not to be afraid. We do not need to hide our sins. We do not need to hide them from one another. We do not need to hide them from God. Because Jesus has died for us, we can, we can bring our sins out into the open before God. We can confess them to him. We, we, can, we can bring them out in the open before one another and confess them with one another. We can have real, deep relationship with God and with each other. Relationships that go beyond the superficial. Relationships that, that confess our weakness and not just our strengths. Relationships where we walk in the light together, loving God and loving one another. And as we come to the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another. And what a joy it is to have those kind of relationships. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are light, you are pure, holy, righteous, there is none like you. And we stand before you this morning uh, so aware of uh, all of the flaws and the failures and the sins in our life, how we've fallen short of your glory. And yet we thank you, Father, that you came down from heaven, that you sent your Son to walk on this, in this world, to go to the cross, to bear our darkness and our judgment so that we can walk in your marvelous light. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us. We thank you that we can be in fellowship with you and with one another. And Father, we, uh, we pray that you would help us to treasure this relationship with you. And as we study your word, and as we know the Lord Jesus better, and put it into practice, that you would be uh, drawing us closer to you, and uh, closer to one another. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.